But yeah. I always will pay extra to have a designer do my product properly, like uh, with the packaging. A lot of the times they already know the compliance side. And if you do, you just ask your manufacturer. But it, it's so important that we we take a look at that. Every Again, going back, if we're talking about brand, everything's got to be consistent. Hey everyone, this is Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing quit stalling and build your brand, why you don't need to have an MBA to crush it in the e-commerce world. Today, we're going to be talking about why do so many people not get started in e-commerce or entrepreneurship? What are the key principles that e-commerce entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs often fail? And what do you need to launch and then grow a brand? Welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Okay, so today, right here, we're going to be talking about quit stalling and build your brand. Why don't you need an MBA to crush it in e-commerce? Uh, we're going to be going through the different principles here. And like I said, uh, we're going to be talking on those three subjects. So our guest grew an international seven-figure brand and has successfully exited after three years the business holy grail. He has built, scaled, and sold a multi-million dollar brand. Uh, he consults with top private equity, helps others exit, and is still building his own brands. In other words, he is very well qualified to have written the book right here. Quit stalling and build your brand. And this is by my uh, my friend. Uh, I don't know how many times he's been on the uh, the the podcast. Probably four or five times. And I'm talking about Ben Leonard. So uh, we'll get to Ben in a second. But let's have a word from our sponsor first. This episode of Lunch with Norm is sponsored by VAA Philippines. Looking for a high quality virtual assistant for your business? With the rigorous screening, intensive Amazon and Walmart training, and ongoing professional development, get the peace of mind with skill and motivated virtual assistance for a long-term working relationship. Hire through VAA today, and now let's get back to the show. Sit back, relax, and grab a cup of coffee. Enjoy the show. Where is Ben? Hello, right. sir. Hello. Good to see you again. How you doing? Um, you, you could be vice counsel. Okay. So to right. Kelsey's, yeah, worship. I'm yeah. going up in the world. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> so you you just published a book. I just received it. So I just got back from some traveling. I can't wait to dig into it and uh, read what you've, you've got down here. I know I've read a chapter um, that you sent over originally. And yeah, yeah I... I I thought it was really well done, well put together. So, Thank you. yeah, you know, I thought I'd say that you paid me twenty bucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's more coming in the post. Oh, okay. Oh, well, then you know we're really going to get into it. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> why don't we talk about this? We had um, another author on the other day, another serial entrepreneur, Colin Campbell, and he yep. was talking about um, entrepreneurs and how a lot of people. Um, don't understand and just they don't learn about it. And uh, I want to talk to you about this. So why do so many people not get started in e-commerce or why don't they think that they could be an entrepreneur? You know, I think it's for a variety of reasons, but it boils down to what we tell ourselves and what society tells us, I think. So I think for so many of us, especially growing up, we were we believed that entrepreneurs were other people. Like yeah. it wasn't necessarily directly told to us, but it's just kind of what we absorbed through society. You go to school, you might go to college or university, and then you go and work and hopefully make enough money so that you can retire one day. And entrepreneurs, on the other hand, are really smart people who invent brand new things or people with business and design degrees or people who've inherited a family business or um, people who've inherited a ton of money and therefore have the capital to start something. They're 
a select elite breed and we, we we read about them and we hear about their amazing stories and we see them on Shark Tank, but they're not us. But I think that the, the tide is turning. Entrepreneurship used to be kind of weird, but now it's a desirable thing. We see famous entrepreneurs, you know, one of the Kardashians has made a very famous uh, cosmetics brand and made enormous sums of money. The likes of Elon Musk have made made it sexy. There's Gary Vaynerchuk out there. These big names have started to make entrepreneurship sexy. So more and more people are, are doing it, but still more and more people are held back and they, they tell themselves these excuses. I don't have experience. I don't have enough money. I'm not qualified. I could never do that. It's too risky. I can't leave my job. But actually, the reality is that if you have a solid idea and you believe in it, it is 100% possible to build a legit CPG brand, sell through e-commerce like we do, and make a success of it. You know, I I agree 100%. Uh, and it's interesting. I've said this before, and I don't know if you found this, uh, Ben, but women, mm. more, more often than not, okay, and I, I, I so I'm talking about um, at times when I've asked the majority uh, the, in the groups that I'd be talking to, felt that they weren't entrepreneurs. Mm. And I always found that fascinating. Now, this is changing. You know, oh, yeah. It's changing quite a bit. We're seeing a lot more. Thank God. We're seeing a lot more women entrepreneurs that are killing it on Amazon. But I, I remember talking to people two years ago. And, uh, you know, you, you talk to a guy and they'd be out there. They're an entrepreneur. They're a serial entrepreneur. They have a brand. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then you you talk to the same amount of uh, females and they would, oh, I don't really feel that I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I It's weird. It's it's because of what society has, has told us. I actually touch on it in the book, you know, um, I, and I don't want, I would hate for any anyone listening or watching this to think that here we are two, two guys kind of mansplaining this. But you know, so we'll we'll, we'll do our best. of that, but geez, we'll do our best to to to, to, to give this justice, right? But, Go ahead, um, Ben, mansplain. I'll do my best, right? <laughs> I I was at so Danny McMillan, who who you know does seller sessions live. He used to do uh, branded by women, a fantastic conference, first online and then in, in real life, so to speak, the champions women in, in e commerce. And I was at that event. The dinner after it, a, a fantastic uh, entrepreneur. She said to me, Ben, I feel like an imposter. Um, here uh because of all these uh these successful people both men and women who are here and and i'm not sure that i'm an entrepreneur and i said well you are an entrepreneur if you say you are and you give yourself permission to be like i think that's the first stage of it for whoever you are man or a woman um give yourself permission because um a lot of people they think oh, you know i don't really have a brand i just kind of sell stuff online but you know nike are a real brand yeah. the only yeah. difference between you and nike yeah. is scale and once upon a time nike was just an idea Right. And guess what? They gave themselves permission to start it and look what it turned into. And I'm not saying we all have to have a huge goal of becoming something like Nike. We might only want to just replace our income and pay the bills. That's absolutely fine. But you've got to give yourself permission to start with. I think that it's great that um, female entrepreneurship in particular is becoming uh, more mainstream and just normal. You know, I think we're we're moving away from times where um, it was so difficult for women to to be an entrepreneur because of family and uh, trying to balance career with that, but um, it's much more normal now. My cousin, uh, she's just had her second child, and she is uh, starting her journey into entrepreneurship and building her brand. And I, I just say to her, "Look, you just need to switch your mindset and give your permission to go. For, give yourself permission to go for it because you absolutely have every right to be an entrepreneur. You just might not know it yet. You just don't know that those entrepreneurial genes inside of you need to be switched on." Yeah, and. You have to learn. And, uh, and yeah. I, I think that if you take a course, uh, first of all, if you just jump into Amazon or any type of e-commerce, uh, it's tough because you are going to pay heavy, heavy, heavy tax. Uh, you know, you're going to be just throwing your money away on a lot of different areas. You'll learn. Um, but if you take a course, that cuts that down. And then if you continue to educate yourself. So one of the things we talk about, um, it, it's you know, knowing your numbers and just on, it was the last episode, uh, last week I was talking to somebody, uh, and you know, the knowing the numbers game comes back to it. people don't understand 
the financial statements. They don't understand uh, the P&Ls. They don't understand cash flow. You don't have to be an accountant, but you should learn a little bit about that, just like you should learn a little bit about business and how business runs if yep. you're going to be in the business of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, you're right. And, and so many people, they get very excited, which is great, and, and attached emotionally to their ideas, but they don't validate them in terms of the numbers. Right. And, you know, so, I get a lot of businesses come across my desk and most of them are struggling for cash. They're, they're not in a strong cash flow position. And ultimately, it comes down to the fact that they didn't really validate what they were doing. And now they're trying to uh, dig themselves out of the hole that they're in. So... For example, so many people run the numbers and they see, oh, on paper, this is profitable. Great. But your ROI isn't high enough. So they have a return on investment of less than 100%. And they're not going to be able to, unless they inject cash into the business, they're not going to be able to, because the cash conversion cycle in e-commerce is so slow, they're not going to be able to keep ordering inventory without putting in more cash. If you have the cash to do that, wonderful. But otherwise, you don't want an ROI on your products of less than... 70% minimum, I think, or you're going to run into to trouble. Um, and that is probably the, the most common issue I see uh, people coming to me with when they're like, you know, one or two products in and it, it's generally nice and it kind of works, but they're just running out of cash because they haven't run the numbers. Uh, I know a couple of your brands and uh, I, I want to talk about product development. Yep. So for a brand, how important is getting away from that me too product and really, and you know why I'm going to say this really spending the time to get the product, right? It might not oh. be the first time and you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you, you really need to, to do that. Um, there's been so many, I've made so many mistakes along the way. Um, let me just out here. I'll, I'll just kind of the first product I developed, which actually worked. I, I did what I call um, a Franken product, as in like a Frankenstein's monster, right? So I knew that I didn't want to just slap a label on something. So what I did was after I decided the manufacturing partner that I was most impressed with from all the prototypes that I'd been sent and the dialogue and the communication with them, I basically got them to send me. So my first product was a jump rope called the Beast Rope for my brand Beast Gear. I got them to send me every uh, everything they had, and I tested them out myself with some friends and some professional athletes. And I basically took all the bits that I liked from each one and said, can we take that from there and that from there, and can we make that bit longer? And what I was able to basically do there was, was not spend tons of money on R&D, not spend tons of money on custom molding and tooling, but still create something relatively unique that was better than what was on the market. So that's something that I like to encourage newbies to do in particular but but really anybody it's a great way to develop products with kind of off the shelf but still making something relatively unique and then once we had that franken product i agreed with the manufacturer that uh there would be exclusivity on that and they wouldn't make that unique thing for any of their other clients which was great but you know just you know you said they're spending a long time to get things right well mm -hmm. i'm i'm currently develop, developing a parent and baby brand I'm two and a half years in and the first product still hasn't launched. Um, I met my manufacturer in Vietnam last April and I'm going to meet them again this April. And I still don't think it will have launched by then. We're six prototypes in because you have got to get it right. You cannot outmarket a crappy product, especially something like a baby product where the safety is so important. And we've got to jump through all these rigorous safety loopholes. And, you know, we're also going for an environmentally sustainable aspect on that. It's made from, uh, plastic recovered from the ocean. So I'm happy to be patient to get things right. And I think that that's one of the areas where people fall down on is they're impatient. And uh, they're, they're in such a rush to get things done that then they try to outmarket a crappy product. Yeah, I realize that your first run, you had to have uh, one child. And then, you know, to keep it going, because you had to have a second child to make sure that, you know, uh, you could test out your product. Uh, when is the next baby coming? Uh, yeah, baby baby number three is due right before Christmas. Oh, okay, okay. And actually, so, so yeah, my plan was the baby carrier. That we're, we're developing a baby carrier. There, I said it. Uh, would, be, would be ready for our son, Arthur. Um, 
and uh, it's not going to be. So we're having another kid. So that kid can can earn its keep by being a model for 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 my brand. Uh, and I, I hope that it will launch summer next year. Um, so we'll see where that goes. You maybe you're going to go for four. Who knows? But uh... no way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk a little bit about strategy. Some high level strategy uh, someone can uh, use uh, to get their brand off the ground. Sure. Um, couple things i think yep. uh i'm gonna start fairly obvious because and, and people who've heard me before will, will will recognize what i'm about to say but it, this is my personal take i believe that you should build a brand around something that you're passionate about because ultimately when 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 things get tough and they will you need to have the get up and go and the desire to make this work and if you try to build a brand around something that you don't particularly care about, that's going to be hard. But it's also going to be hard because you're not going to understand your audience. You're not going to understand the problems that they need to solve. And you're not going to understand how to market to them. And ultimately, that's what it's all about. Okay. Not only that, but when you understand your, your niche, um, let's just pick a, a, a niche. Um, you're developing a brand of environmentally sustainable uh, scuba diving accessories, right? Great. When you understand that, you are in a much better position to not only understand your audience and your niche and what, what products they want, but also how to market to them, what kind of language in, to, to use when you're talking to them and how to develop your entire brand, right? And when I talk about brand, I don't just mean the suite of, you know, a brand to me is a suite of products for a particular group of people, in this case, scuba divers. But then you also understand your branding. And to me, branding, and I get into this in the book, is how you make people feel. It is the vehicle by which you make people become emotionally attached to your brand. So, you know, um, let me give you an example. I play the drums. My favorite manufacturer of drums is called Sonor. And when I consume content by Sonor, I feel hyped up, jazzed up, ready to go smash the drums because they make me feel that way through the content that they produce written content, video content, audio content, posts on social, emails, etc. right? Think about, people should think about in terms of strategy, how they can make people feel a certain way about their brand. And I think a lot of times people think they're just kind of hawking stuff on Amazon or on the internet and they forget that actually, no, you need to treat your business like a legit CPG brand, like the brands that you're a fan of and ask yourself, how are you going to make them make make your audience love your brand yeah so you're you're really talking about living your brand right yep. everything you put into it um the content you put out uh that you create that brand story and if you have vas everybody live the brand in your company uh, so it oozes out to the public yeah you you make everyone in your team and it, we go through this in the book right we talk about how to develop uh, your, your your branding, how to develop uh, all the kind of uh, the statements and the, the essence and the soul of your brand that sits underneath of it and make everyone in your team learn it. I used to, with B-Skier and, and now with new brands as well, I will send all of my products to all of my team members all the way over in the Philippines yep. so that they can understand the products, understand what the customer service needs to like, use and enjoy the products, live the brand so that it oozes out of the brand. And some people listening to this will be like, yeah, but Ben, like my business doesn't have a particularly strong brand identity and I'm doing perfectly fine. Thank you very much. Yeah. But then when you go and do all of this stuff, it makes a tangible difference to your business. Ultimately, more people fall in love with your business, more people buy from you, your conversions increase, your profit increases, you grow. Economies of scale means your profit gets even bigger and bigger and bigger and you beat your competition. So even if you don't care about branding and you think this is all just kind of wishy-washy mumbo-jumbo, learn it because it makes a difference. Right, right. Absolutely. So we're hitting the bottom of the hour. And before we get into the next question, uh, maybe we should uh, go into the Wheel of Kelsey. So we have a, a bunch of questions starting to come up. And if you do have any questions, make sure you throw them into the comments section. Or if you have comments, uh, you know, talk about your brand. Uh, let us know what you've done. Um, you know, what are, what are some mistakes you might have made? But uh, throw them in the comment section. We'll get to them at the top of the hour. And at the top of the hour, uh, we have the Wheel of Kelsey. 
So that is a giveaway that we give at the top of the hour. It's called the Wheel of Kelsey. How do you get into it? Hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Tag two people. You get a second entry. Ben, what are we doing for the Wheel of Kelsey today? What we are doing for the Wheel of Kelsey is uh, actually quite fantastic today. Somebody is going to win uh, a $500 course. Um, so, I, you know, I, 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 I thought about not calling it a course, but because I, I hate like guru courses. Yeah. But I couldn't think of what else to call it. So we're going to call it a course because it kind of is a course. I created a course to go along with the book. Uh, it's called Product Empire. And somebody is going to win a scholarship to product empire okay and and it's uh it's based around the, the book it, it takes the book and goes deeper and deeper and deeper with presentations videos worksheets tools calculators the whole shebang i'm doing a beta launch uh this november um and then a a, a full launch uh early uh, early next year uh late jan but people can go to product-empire.com slash norm now to, to go watch a, a, a masterclass that I'm doing in a couple of weeks. And um, and somebody right now on Wheel of Kelsey is going to win a scholarship to Product Empire. That's fantastic. So, Kelsey, make sure you put in a couple fake names. <laughs> I want a shot. <laughs> okay. So that's great. So if you're interested in that, and I, I'm sure most of the listeners are, hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, tag two people, you'll get a second entry. Kelsey, time for a sponsor. Facing cash flow challenges with your e-commerce business? Discover Viably, your ultimate financial ally. From real-time sales data integrations to immediate funding access, Viably is here to support you. Plan your growth with their free tool for online sellers and engage with specialists whenever you need. Extend your cash flow with Viably. Okay, and we are back failures entrepreneurs like i was talking about we pay our tax amazon tax walmart tax if you don't know you know getting into certain areas you definitely will pay your tax what are some failures that are commonly seen when you're trying to build a brand i've made a lot of mistakes i've made a lot of these failures and learned lessons from them uh here's one intellectual property we've spoken about this before right but it bears repeating because it's so important and actually here's a personal experience i tried to save money by registering my trademarks myself mm -hmm. and <laughs> that's a very kind compliment side thank you uh listeners won't have a clue what that was uh, he just compared me to like one of my favorite authors um i tried to save money by uh trademarking the brand and the logo myself. And I was so smug when I got my trademark registered. It cost me like 200 pounds at the UK intellectual property office. But about a year later, I was getting some free legal advice at the local library from a, a, an IP legal firm who was doing some, some, you know, giving back at the library. And it turned out my trademarks were weak. They were flimsy, right? I'd left the brand wide open. And frankly, I'd had a lucky escape so far to that point. So I coughed up and I paid to have them redone professionally. And I learned an important lesson which is that cheap is expensive and expensive is cheap. In other words, it pays to invest in getting things right the first time. You'll save a ton of money and prevent a load of headaches. And I'm really grateful that I learned that lesson when I did because it got me, it saved me not long after because not long after um, a letter landed on my doormat, an official looking letter. And I opened it and it was all in German. I couldn't read it, but I could recognize a photograph of one of my products called Beast Grips. People can go Google that now. There are thick bar adapters that make lifting barbells and dumbbells more challenging. This was my design that I had patented. And I could recognize a copy of my competitor's patent attached to the letter. And I could, I might not be able to read German, but I could read the numbers. 50,000 euros. Mm. So I was in a pickle. But by this time, I'd learned the lesson that cheap is expensive and expensive is cheap. So I called my expensive IP lawyer and I was panicking, but she didn't panic. She soon realized that these guys were trying to bully me out of business. They'd clearly done it before. They weren't even German. 
they were suing me in Germany because I was selling there and they knew that the language barrier would just add to the intimidation. Their claims were nonsense. Like my product was not infringing on their IP. And in fact, it turned out that their, their patent drawings were, were pretty poor and didn't really protect their product. So I took them on and I won, it cost me a lot of money. And that really drove home the lesson from there on in is always invest in experts. I think bootstrapping is great. And I think saving money is great. Of course I do. I'm from Aberdeen in Northeast Scotland. We don't like spending money. But I also think that investing and getting things right the first time is so important. So that's you know kind of the first thing that I see people failing on is scrimping on important stuff like IP. We mentioned before product validation. They don't understand the numbers and they don't account for slow cash flow, uh, slow cash conversion cycles, for instance. Uh, people forget about safety. So they don't check what safety certifications they require in their products. People don't think about, they think about their own IP, but they don't check whether they're actually infringing on other IP. And I'm not talking just about design, but they'll fill their, let's talk about Amazon for a moment. They'll fill their Amazon listings with um, trademark terms that you can't use. So I remember once one of my listings got taken down because I was using the word Velcro, uh, which is a trademark. You can't mm -hmm. use that. You have to use hook and loop. Uh, to talk about the fact that with Velcro, you have the, the hook part and the loop part and they come together and, you know, it forms like an adhesive thing. Uh, so I had to get rid of that. So, you know, those are just a few examples. Um, and then people fall into the trap that, and I'm going to mention it, the greatest book of all time. Um, it's uh, uh, The E-Myth Revisited that we ah. spoke about before, Norm, uh, by Michael Gerber. He talks yep. about the E-Myth, which is this idea that because you're passionate about something, you can build a business around it. He's... You know, you, you can, but you have to learn the lessons that he teaches in his book, which is how to uh, build your business in such a way that it is controlled and not chaotic and that you bring in the people who actually know what they're doing. Right. You might be passionate about scuba diving accessories, but you don't understand accountancy. You're not an accountant. You don't understand marketing. You're not a marketer. And so people make the mistake of thinking that they can do it all and they don't build a team or they don't outsource to agencies who can support them. And they don't, brings us back to experts again, they just don't learn from the experts. And that's when they run into trouble. Yeah, I was saying this, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, I got a product in and it was um, it was for a drink. So you could have a drink in the car, put your coffee on it, and it would just, it's a gyro. So it would just stay straight, right? And it had a lip on it. So you're Drink wouldn't spill. If you stopped, it would just uh, curl up. It, I mean, it was really cool product. I got the packaging. And what do you think the packaging was? Oh, well, first, yeah. it wasn't great packaging. Uh, like it was just cardstock. But <clears throat> it had a, a, like on all four sides and on the top, uh, a picture of a person driving, okay, with a cognac glass. <laughs> like, what? I'm not, I am not kidding. You can't, it was a, it was a cognac glass that they were driving around with. So hilarious. It, yeah. So if you would have, you know, just brought it in. So this is just, you know, something sight unseen. All of a sudden you get this thing and you go with a manufacturer's packaging that this actually happened. And, you know, imagine if that went out, it would have been crazy, but uh, that's, Yeah. But there's so many things. Oh, first of all, I have to stop because I have coffee coming in. That's cool. that's yeah, always good. It's always good. But it's when you uh, no, not cognac, but uh, <laughs> just coffee. Yeah, it starts with a C. Um, but there are a lot of other areas uh, that we look at too. And starting with the packaging side, so many people will just trust their manufacturer uh, just to get the packaging and design done. Well, they're not yeah. designers. You know, they know their yep. product, their manufacturers. And if you get their product and it is packaged, uh, they probably bought it from somebody and charging you an upcharge. But yep. I always will pay extra to have a designer do my product properly, like uh, with the packaging. A lot of the times they already know the compliance side. And if you do, you just ask your manufacturer. But it, it's so important that we we take a look at that. Every Again, going back, we're talking about brand everything's got to be consistent it certainly does and uh, people forget that they think that um 
so long as everything on online looks good, they're good. And they forget that actually, no, we're not just in this to make money. We're in this to provide a quality solution to a problem in the form of a product, make that person enjoy that product and then fall in love with our business. I want to come back to us when they need more products in, in the same niche. Therefore, the product has to be quality. I mean, that's the first part of marketing is a quality product. Seth Godin teaches us that, right? So a uh, quality product is marketing because it will market itself and people will talk about it. And then the experience of, of receiving, opening and using that product has to be really, really fantastic, whether that's the packaging or um, the after experience. Maybe there are inserts or leaflets or useful things that you provide with the product to enhance that experience. But something that you mentioned there that set off a light bulb in my head was this. You mentioned you know manufacturers. And it made me think of another thing, mistake that I see people making. Uh, again, I talk about this in the book is they don't negotiate with their manufacturers. Mm. They just ask the manufacturer, well, how much is it? And, and they, they, they accept that. So they don't negotiate on two things. One is the actual cost and two is payment terms. So they think that they have to pay a 30% deposit and 70% when the goods are ready to be shipped. And that couldn't be further from the truth. And right. that brings us back to cash flow. If only we could negotiate fantastic terms, which of course we can. And so, you know, one one thing that I encourage people to do is to actually build out forecasts and say to your manufacturer, look, this is what I'm ordering from you now. If if only you would uh, help me by letting me pay you, you know, 30 days after it arrives, 60 days after it arrives, here's how much more I can order. And here's how much quicker I can grow and therefore order even more from you. And let's work together in partnership. And that works really well. And sometimes I see people struggling with it because of the communication, particularly with Chinese uh, manufacturers. And recently, I've actually been having great success in using ChatGPT to translate. Hmm. So there's been a fantastic translation tool going around for probably six or seven years now called DeepL, DeepL DeepL.com. It's very good. But my new favorite method is to use a... um, a chat GPT prompt that I created. Uh, I'll, I'll happily, uh, after this call, I'll, I'll slam it in the, the lunch with Norm group. Great. Um, and what I do is I translate into Chinese with that and then cross check it on DeepL. But I find that the GPT translation is, is better because what I do with it is I, I, I tell it to be extremely careful in terms of the cultural context when translating into Chinese. And that works so well. I've had so many times where, not just me, but with clients and stuff, um, the communication has been kind of a bit confused. And as soon as I've done that, they've been like, oh, I understand. And then we, you know, we move forward from there and, and it works. You definitely have to be careful about that. I, uh, I bought a, uh, for Japan, I, I, I bought soap club in Japan, right. In Japanese, I did not know that there was a different term that I should have used. And what I was, I was getting tons of traffic. I was wondering why, well, soap club, the, the characters that I had bought um, meant brothel. So I had I had all these guys <laughs> coming over to the you know to the, the page and you're yeah, looking yeah. for something different. Yeah. So here's a some here's some soap for you. <laughs> yeah. Cultural context and uh, sensitivity is important, guys. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyways, uh, make sure you double check. Make sure you double check. Always cross check. Yeah. Um, okay. There's a lot that we could go and we could talk about different things that you you need to help and, and to, to keep you away from failure. Uh, one of the things you touched on, and I was going to move on to another question, but I just thought of this, the overall customer experience. Mm. So one of the uh, things that I do, I like doing the small things. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it could it could be just safety factors like safety seals. It could be an insert. Uh, but. I take a look at my competitors and then I order my own product. And I don't think a lot of people order their own product, but every time we have an order, we get an, uh, one of our products in. So you can actually see it because there could be a, a slight problem with it. You were sending it off to you, your product over to the Philippines. And it, it's interesting because a lot of the times it's the people that are receiving it uh, because you're too close to it will tell you, oh, there's a problem or, oh, this could be better. But I know I've saved my butt a few times just by ordering my product and going, oh, it, it doesn't have this or, oh, it should have that bag, that inside bag 
or a different type of paper or and <clears throat> all i'm trying to say is uh that overall customer experience starts with you as the entrepreneur sure and does. you you really have to make sure that you're better uh than yep. those competitors period yeah absolutely and you know, so many of your competitors are are stuck in what I call the, the Amazon hamster wheel, right? Which is this, work really hard with a good listing and good PVC to get a sale and then do it all over again. But where you can win is make your customer love you. So they buy widget A from you. They have yeah. a fantastic experience because the product is good. The experience of receiving it was great. The aftercare that you provided through perhaps email support uh, YouTube guide videos. Maybe your brand has a podcast that gives great content. Maybe there was a, a, a code on your packaging that led them to a chat bot that gave them ec extra resources that helped them. You provide excellent content all over the place with your brand. There's touch points everywhere. You make them remember you and show up in your, your customer's world for whatever niche you're in, whether it's Harley Davidson's or knitting, it doesn't matter. I'll take it to Harley. And then when they want widget B, they come back to you. And sure, right. they might search for you. They might go to your website. They might find you on Amazon. They might find you on Walmart. doesn't matter. But you're top of mind. And your customer is, your, your, sorry, your competitor is still stuck in the Amazon hamster wheel. Absolutely. And th that also helps you develop the breadth of the brand because all of the accessories. So for soap, for example, well, you know, you could just get a back scratcher or, you know, uh, a, a scrub or you could have a glove. But if you package it in the same way as your other product and it's above everybody else, people will pay double for this. Yeah, they'll pay double yeah. Yeah. or more. Absolutely. So you can uh, I was I was just literally doing a piece in the course about this uh, just the other day. You could even be, you know, if you're smart and you've been sort you've, you've worked really hard on your sourcing. You've built a fantastic relationship with your manufacturing partners. You've negotiated for excellent terms. You've even got payment terms with your freight forwarder. You could actually be paying less than your competitors and yet charging more yep. because you can justify the high price because it's not just the perceived value of your product being higher. The real value of your product really is higher. It's a great product and you provide great service. The overall enjoyment that your brand brings to your customer's life is there. And maybe you've got extra add-ons. Like I'm doing this right now with a, with a brand of mine. Uh, we have a product that we sell and it comes with an app. And it's not even our app. We've partnered with, it's a high quality app. We partnered with an app in our niche. Uh, our customer gets access to this app and it just improves their experience. And guess what? They want to come back for more. Right. Yeah, very good. Okay. So now let's talk about, and we've covered a few things uh, earlier yeah. on, but tell us about what you need to do to launch and then grow or scale your brand. Sure. Yeah. Well, obviously quality product, mm -hmm. a pre-launch is really important. So it's all very, you can't, what, what you, you really don't want to do is do all this work and then have your product come into stock for example, on Amazon, but also on your own website like Shopify, and just expect people to, to buy it, okay? It's it's become almost a cliche now in e-commerce to talk about it, but I'm going to do it because it, it, it's true. If you build it, they won't come. So, you know, Kevin Costner was wrong. Um, what you do want to do, though, is take a step back, understand who your customer is, which you should do, because it should be something that you're passionate about. But if, if you're not, you already have a business, you can do some work to understand who your customer is. Build a customer avatar, and then on the back of that, a brand avatar, which is a reflection of your customer. Your customer avatar is basically a, um, you know, who your customer is and who they aspire to be. Your brand avatar is basically reflecting that straight back at your customer to make them know, like, and trust you and positioning your brand as an authority in your niche by producing high quality, helpful, free, engaging, useful content. And you wanna produce that and show up where your customer is, whether that's YouTube or Pinterest or um, Reddit, wherever it might be, and provide value there. Pro become an engaged member of the community there, you and your team. Show up there so that you become known and liked and trusted and then start building a launch list which is basically getting people to raise their hand, saying they're interested in your product, so that when you're ready to go, you can go. 
And that's what, what I'm talking about. Then we're coming, you know, when we're, we're also building launch lists, I'm a huge fan of contests. Yeah. So you might take, let's say you're able to build a list of say a thousand emails. You might then develop a fantastic prize for them. So let's say you're, um, we'll come back to that scuba diving uh, accessories brand. Your first product is a, is a fantastic scuba diving, uh, bag for all your gear. Well, perhaps the prize is the bag full of gear from all the top scuba diving brands, right? And it might cost you quite a lot, but that's a really fantastic prize. You get everyone on your list to enter that contest. But when you use a service like, say, Viper, V-Y-P-E-R.io, those contests go viral because people win extra entries by performing things like sharing it. Mm -hmm. And so you're bringing in more and more and more and more people. And then you announce to everybody, hey, you know, uh, Joe from Portland has won. Unfortunately, you guys didn't win, but you can get the bag, the gear bag for, you know, X amount off and it launches today. Here's a link. For instance, press releases. Huge fan of press releases. Uh, uh, Shane Allglow is your man for that. Um, that that can make a, a big difference to a launch. So, you know, a pre-launch is really, really important. And when it comes to actually launching, I think a lot of that is should be incredibly obvious. Highly optimized pages on your website and on marketplaces like Amazon and Walmart, beautiful images, indexed keyword relevant listings, all over social, you've got the right social posts, you've made the relationships with micro influencers and potentially influencers in your space. Again, I go into all this in the book and in the course. Um, it's, it's not a case of slam it on Amazon and turn on, turn on PPC, in my opinion, right? Of course, Slamming it on Amazon and turning on BBC matters. Yeah, you got to do that. But if you want to escape the Amazon hamster wheel and actually beat everybody else and potentially do it cheaply, you know, you can you can do that. There's an example that I give where uh, this was a product, that, several products that I launched with Beast Gear, and I'm doing it again now, where I basically showed up in groups. These were on Facebook um, and provided tons of value to the community. And then when I was ready to launch, I would just post about it and I'd wake up the next day and there's like 500 people asking for the product. And guess what? All those people go and buy the product. Well, I communicated with them in the Facebook messenger DMS. So I was then able to track it in a Google sheet, follow up a week later, get reviews. So I'm getting keyword juice. I'm getting verified reviews from relevant people. I'm going to show up for other people bought this across all these relevant people in my niche. And guess what? I also have all those people for my next product launch a couple months later. Yeah. So yeah. Stephen Black talks about going into these Facebook groups and hanging around, give a lot yeah. of value, but also what, what he says is you extract the language. Oh, that's so important. Yeah. So others yeah. will just post and, you know, start selling and that person that goes into those groups and starts to understand the terminology, uh, they're the winners if they do it. Yeah, right. yeah, totally. So it's, that's especially important if you're uh, not passionate about whatever you're selling because you don't might not understand the language. So I've got a couple of friends actually who are, who've got a very successful brand in the niche of a very particular pet, which they do not own. And they're the first to admit that they're not particularly passionate about this. But what they have done is... Uh, taken account of that and, and gone the extra mile to do their best to understand the niche and work with influencers as well. So, you know, they sponsor podcasts in that niche for that particular pet. And therefore, they're able to kind of, they don't have to be the face of the brand. As I prefer to do things around brands you're passionate about. You don't have to. And they're, they're doing it very successfully. And they're doing the exact strategy you mentioned, Norm. They're getting into the groups yeah, they're contributing, but they're learning, they're absorbing and yeah. then feeding that into the language that they use in their emails in their social posts, in their YouTubes, in their product listings, in their website. Yeah, very good. Okay, so let's take a couple of questions here. I think we have three, Kels. All right. Yeah, so our first question is from Simon. Uh, we do the numbers and see big uh, money, but we got to sell a serious number of 15 pound skipping ropes to make a decent profit that allows us to cash flow two or three production runs. How do you circle that square? We do the numbers and see big bucks. We're going to sell a serious number. Uh, yeah. Okay. So no fair question, right? So um, you only want to enter. This is why you do the validation work, right? 
if you're not going to have the cash flow to fund a couple of production runs, then don't enter it. Or, well, and or, you find ways to actually improve the ROI there so that you are going to be in a better cash flow position. So for instance, um, you find ways to reduce the price. You negotiate on terms, all that kind of stuff. You do you go the extra mile to bring in lots of external cheap traffic so that you can outrank your competitors. Um, for instance, so you know, side note, one of my new brands, we're doing something that none of our competitors are doing because they're asleep at the wheel and stuck in the hamster wheel. Is we're working with influencers all over YouTube and pretty much every blog in our niche to have our products all over there being advertised as like the best products. It's it's free and therefore we're outranking uh we're spending less on ppc and that is affecting i mean that's helping our cash flow position it's also scaling the brand which means we can place larger orders and bring the cogs down which also helps our cash flow position but you know so i i you know i if i was starting now i would not go into jump ropes right now unless i had the serious capital yeah. to to fund the first couple of production runs the, the other thing I, that I would look at, because I do have a low dollar value, the problem I had is I came in with soap. You can only get so much money out of soap. Yep. And it wasn't worth it. You'd have to you know buy, sell thousands and thousands and thousands of bars to make a buck. So what we ended up doing is bundling in three and five packs. And yeah. then <laughs> you also bundled with a soap dish or some other products. And that started to bring up the average order value. Uh, actually, if I take a look at the average order value right now off of the site, it's probably around $60. So we brought it from $10 or $14 up to $60 just by uh -huh. bundling. Yep. And yep. so that's something that I would look at too. Yeah. And just as a side note there, if you're, if you're selling on your own site and you're doing things like Facebook ads, I wouldn't even bother running Facebook ads until you got an average order value of at least 50 bucks because it yeah. just kind of doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> uh, let me see. Okay. Next question. Okay. Next question is from Michael. Uh, do you have any tips to better connect with your audience and create a more meaningful relationship with them? Uh, great question. Um, I think there's two strands to this. There's like a one-to-many, like how you're connecting with your audience as a whole, and then there's one-to-one. -one. So beginning with one-to-many, it's uh, understand who they are so that you know what kind of content they want and where they want it, and then it's make the content. That sounds quite simple in and of itself, but we could do an entire podcast on all of that, right? But at a at a high level, that's what you want to do. You want to understand who they are, what content they want, and where they want it. And then you want to produce it and give it to them. It's got to be high quality. You can't just, it's not like keyword stuffing. You're not just trying to just like make stuff for the sake of it and put it out there so you can tick it off. It's got to be real good quality material that you would want to consume and that you're proud of. That's one to many. Then one to one is uh, do stuff that doesn't scale and then uh, with brute force, make it scale. So here's an example. Your customers have received your high quality product, of course, and had a fantastic experience of receiving it, of course. And now they're motivated to post about it on social, like Instagram, TikTok. Seek those people out by searching your hashtags and they've hopefully tagged your brand and build a relationship with them in the DMs. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole bunch of that in the, uh, the course. Um, but basically, um, when you do that, uh, you know, why did they post on social? For attention mostly from their friends. But when they get attention from the actual brand that they bought, they're blown away. And you can build real reciprocity in the DMs there. Um, you know, that's one of Robert Caldini's uh, principles of, of, of influence, um, which we talk about a lot in the book. And when you do that, they'll do whatever you want. They'll leave reviews. They'll become a loyal customer for life. They'll want to buy from you again. And, you know, I said they'll do stuff that doesn't scale. Well, you find a way to make it scale. So you you start building relationships in the DMs and you under, you start to understand what works and what doesn't. You build out templates and you give those templates to your team who then start DMing people on your behalf and, and building relationships and having conversations with them in the DMs and they become evangelical fans of your brand. And that is what your customers are not doing because, of course, they are stuck in the Amazon hamster wheel. Yeah, uh, just build a community. You know, yep. build a, a strong community. And that's that's what differentiates you know, a, a huge brand 
from a very simple micro brand that yeah. probably will fail. Yeah. You have to have and a community. I, yeah, totally. And I made a, I made a mistake. I wish that I'd done this with my first brand and I'm, I'm kind of rectifying that now was think of a community, whether it's a Facebook group or a Discord group or a subreddit, whatever it is, think of it as the campfire that your tribe sits around at the end of the day. Build that for your brand, show up there every day, provide people with value and the sky's the limit. People are going to absolutely love it, provided you've got a real great brand and great product that, that people actually want to engage with. And this is something we, we just found out. Um, the community. Make sure it's on the right social network. Uh, you were talking about Discord or WhatsApp or Telegram. or yep. So th there's many out there. And you might want to just check out which is where you want to invest your time and your money and always give value. If you're really, if you start promoting uh, too much, you'll end up with zero community. Yeah, very true. Okay, next. All right, there's two more left. Uh, All right. Simon, building a real brand takes significant effort and time. Assuming we are doing everything in your book and have done your course, can you put a time scale on how long it takes to have a real brand? Great question. So you can have a real brand instantaneously, if you like, if you give yourself permission to have a real brand. So day one, product one, it's a quality product that solves a real problem. When the customer receives it, it's an excellent experience and your brand shows up all over social media, right? And has its own website and it looks and feels and behaves like a real brand, despite the fact that it's not big yet, it doesn't matter. Right. Scale is kind of irrelevant at this stage. That's a real brand. However, I, I, I see what you're getting at. Um, the time for the things that we're talking about to take effect is, is pretty much instantaneous because customer number one who buys your product and has that fantastic experience, there's a high chance you're going to have an opportunity to communicate the, with them through email, through social, through the chatbots, through whatever it is that you've done to make them build a connection with your with your brand and not just uh, disappear into a black hole and that's going to pay dividends. So the, the key is it's not to, it's not like nothing happens until by magic, you know, after eight weeks or eight months, something's happened. It's the compounding effect of showing up consistently. And if you do that every day, a year in, two years in, three years in, four years in, it's going to have made an enormous difference to where your business is and ultimately what you can sell it for. Yeah, I take a look at um, what Wilfred Lightheart did. Uh, we were uh, we we had the company he still has it uh, called Digital Blacksmiths, and came up with five million Republicans, three million Democrats. Uh, what kind of dogs? So we got into pets. What kind of dogs would Republicans like? What kind of dogs would Democrats like? Uh, and then you know whatever their uh, lifestyle would be, and the amount of people that would come in, I know we had a schnauzers group of over a hundred thousand people wow. schnauzers. What can you do with schnauzers? People who have a pet love of their pet, yeah. you know, oh, um, meowington. So Colin was on the other day, Colin Campbell, one of his companies uh, is meowington's. Well, all he does to build that community community of cat lovers is put out an image a day to, I think it's it, it was 750, but I think they have over a million followers right now Whoa. on Instagram. One a day, and they love it. Well, guess what happens at around Christmas time? Yep. A calendar. Of course. You know, and then if you're a cat lover, you know your audience, and then you can get into specific types of cats. Uh, but it's, it's just genius what you can do uh, to build a brand and build that community. Think about what the community wants, what they love. Yeah. And that's so, why you've got to know your audience. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Kels. All right. Uh, Ben's got two here. Uh, how would, uh, how do you have the community without just promoting your products? Sure. Uh, good question. It's just about um, showing up and providing helpful, compelling, engaging, free, useful information. So uh, kind of like Norm was saying there about the cat group, right? It's not trying to sell stuff. It's just, fun cat related content. Maybe you have a brand of, um, you have a knitting brand and you show up in, and, and in your group, in your community, on your website, you're providing knitting patterns, knitting tutorial videos, how to guides, 
podcasts about the way that wool is produced. You know, all sorts of interesting. It's you know, it's a mixture of interesting, educational, funny um, content that uh, your customers are going to want to consume. I'm sure that you have your favorite interests, uh, Ben. Um, what kind of content do you want to consume about that? If that was delivered to you by a brand, well, you're constantly going to remember that brand. And then when you want to solve a problem, you're going to buy from them. Gary Vaynerchuk talks about it in his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, which basically means give, 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 ask. So give tons of value to the community and then very occasionally ask for the sale. Yeah. Yeah. And I take a look at it as if you're building a social media channel, you don't want to just give out one type of, um, oh, it could be a meme. If you're just giving out memes, I, there are some social media channels that are, you do a great job around it, you know, just memes. But if you're a brand, you want to mix up that content. So you, you might have seven to nine different types of uh, content that you're putting out. Uh, and then people are drawn in. You might have a blog article. So Ben, I know your products and uh, you know, you, it's so easy to have all different types of content, different uh, types of blog articles, uh, press releases. That's also, like you were saying, great content, um, videos, how-tos, all sorts of different things that you could build without having to show uh, that you're just promoting your product. And by the way, I don't know if this is Shia or Ben, but uh, probably some of the nicest cigars I I tried to sample the other day and thank you so much for them. They were awesome. <laughs> so I, I've got you a couple of them since I came back. All right. And our last question, uh, what type of emphasis do you put on nice packaging? Um, it's got to be congruent to your brand. Yeah. So you might receive a product like, you know what? Right here. Here we go. I... I this is the packaging for a famous brand called Zule Kitchen, which is owned by a guy who's quite well known in the e-commerce community called Aaron Cordovas. I bought this milk frother because I've been through like six cheapo, crappy milk frothers, and I finally learned my lesson and spent money on a really good one. And it's, it's excellent packaging that makes sense for a milk frother. However, if I was selling luxury underwear, this packaging would not make sense for that because it, it, it's still just like it's quite kind of robust Kind of almost industrial feeling packaging i would want something really luxurious maybe like when i open it it's kind of felt it's probably red it makes 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 you feel kind of you know sexy when you open it right you've got it's got to be congruent and pertinent to what you're selling right uh, absolutely i put uh exactly like you're saying uh if you if i take a look and when i buy my competitors packaging. So here's a test that I did. I uh, work with uh, some non-alcoholic spirits. So I bought up okay. all the competitors and I sent them over to my dad who knows nothing about the products. They range from 20 to $40, 24 to $40. And I said, dad, uh, what do you think the perceived value is? Well, he said, the two that are wrapped in bubble wrap, oh, I couldn't believe it but wrapped in bubble wrap, um, I would think are the 24. The one that's in the packaging uh, is probably the $40 one. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. The one that yeah. was in the 20, the $24 one, or it was 20, I think it was uh, under $30. It wasn't, there was four different bottles. And the one that was in bubble wrap was actually $40. And yeah. I sat there and I went, ah, well, I know what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's interesting. They tried to kind of, obviously they wanted to protect the product and, and keep it safe so it yeah. didn't break. But of course, actually, in terms of the presentation and the way it came across, the packaging came across as being more premium. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. So if they could, and it's, it's the same 40 ounce bottle, it's the same weight, it um, probably cost them a little bit more to ship. But if I take a look at the results, um, I, I know what we did now our packaging is killing it because uh, we, we did, we just knocked it out of the park with the packaging for this non-spirited alcohol That's or really non-alcoholic spirit. <laughs> okay. So I think that's it. Oh, there we go. Okay. Anytime was a pleasure meeting you. All right. 
Um, so yes, we're going to have to do that again, Ben. Uh, and not you, Ben, but yes, with you, Ben. Other ben. <laughs> the other, yeah, ben. we still need to hang out. You need to come to Scotland, and I, I need know. to go to uh, next. Uh, the uh, the next CMS, we'll do it over in Scotland. There you go, that's what we'll do. Uh, okay, now, Kels, we're gonna do, I guess, an ad read, which I've got right here. Yes, uh, but, before... but before we do that, no. we wanted to uh, get your contact information, Ben, and we wanted to uh, know how to get your book. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that. So um, anyone can contact me. My handle for social is at Ben Leonard Pro. I'm on LinkedIn. You can email me, Ben at BenLeonard.pro. If you want the book, uh, just go to Amazon and search Quit Stalling Ben Leonard or Ben Leonard Quit there Stalling and Build Your Brand. And if you want to get on the wait list for uh, Product Empire and, and come to the masterclass in a couple of weeks, go to product-empire.com slash norm. And somebody is going to win a scholarship to that on uh, Wheel of Kelsey in a few minutes. But yeah, product-empire.com slash norm. And that is a $500 value. It sure is. Yeah, I actually, well, yeah, I, I would argue it's probably more than that, but I'm making it 500 bucks because I didn't want to be one of those uh, 10 grand course gurus that I hate. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. All right, now I've got to read uh, this uh, word from our sponsor. Um, actually, before that, um, I know Ben's got a bit of a, a tight uh, timeline. So oh, okay. um, we should say, good ben, uh, yeah. say goodbye to Ben now and uh, we'll do the wheel without him. Okay. I got to go bath the kids and put them to bed. Oh, that's important. <laughs> that's important. Good to see you guys. Thanks for your All support. right, Ben. All All right. See, you see you later, later buddy. See ya. See ya. Okay, so I'm going to do the ad read, then we'll get over to the Wheel of Kelsey. By the way, if you do want to enter, it, you got about 15 seconds. Hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, tag two people, you'll get a second entry. Now let's talk about Seller Basics. Hey, Amazon sellers, ever faced account suspensions, ASIN hiccups, or IP headaches? Introducing Seller Basics, your Amazon account guardian. With just $99 a month, Seller Basics offers a dedicated team to shield your business from these challenges. Plus, this membership offers free legal consultations from seasoned e-commerce attorney. No attorneys, no long-term contracts, cancel with just a month's notice. View Seller Basics as your Amazon account health plan. Check it out at sellerbasics.com. Uh, but here's a disclaimer. Seller Basics isn't an insurer or law firm. Consultations come from independent firms. Results can vary and membership needed before events leading to claims. All right. And terms apply. All right, Kels. All right. Awesome. So here we go. Here is the Wheel of Kelsey. It's time for the Wheel of Kelsey. All right. Here is the Wheel of Kelsey. I'm going to shuffle up these even more. We do this every single podcast, so make sure you come back. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, live at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And looks like the winner is Angela. Angela. Fantastic. Congrats. Angela, I believe it's a you great prize. A new winner. So make sure you email me, k at lentotorm.com. Congratulations. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. So, well, Kels, don't go away. You're needed. Okay. All right. Well, um, yeah, thank you everyone for watching today's episode. Uh, again, winners, email me, k.lentwithnorm.com. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, check us out uh, on our podcast platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. And uh, if you have any questions, comments about today's episode or about selling on Amazon or e-com, just let us know in the Facebook group. That's Lynchwood Norm, Amazon, FBA, and e-commerce collective. And I think that's it. Okay. And don't forget, uh, Kelsey, if you could put the post-purchase pro uh, event in the uh, comment section again, I think that's on the 26th. So you want to check that out. Uh, I know Sean and Seth always uh, provide really great value uh, for anybody who's attended. I, I 
I've I've gone to three or four of their events, uh, virtual events, and they're fantastic. Lots of hacks, lots of tips, lots of strategies. So uh, check it out, and it's free. So you just want to check that out. Uh, okay, so join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Um, I say this at the end of every podcast. We couldn't do this without our community. And if you wanted to join the community, it's simple. Head over to face, our Facebook group, Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA uh, podcast. And that's it, everybody. Have a great day. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also, if you want to check out our latest podcasts, click over here. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with Norm.